RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 365 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse, recorded live on Tuesday, May 8th, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, May 11th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in our audio booth is our audio engineer... Quintus. Hello, everybody. All right, Kenna, let's jump right in. What do we have this week? Well, this week, a Star Trek actor gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Some favorite Star Trek couples get reunited. Leonard Nimoy's house is up for sale. And new technology could mean the end of pantsless Star Trek podcasting. In Star Trek Online news, we're getting more details about the upcoming expansion, Victory is Life. And the Mirror Universe event is back for a limited time. Jake and Cookie are here later with more tempting merchandise on the promenade. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, those hailing frequencies are always open, and you know we love to hear from you between shows, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. On Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Captains, before we move on, we do need to take a moment to thank all of our patrons who support this show from week to week. Without their financial contributions, we wouldn't be able to produce the show. Speaking of patrons, a big shout out to a new one, William Hardy, who pledged this week. With your support, we can continue to upgrade the show and continue to produce the content that you've come to enjoy right here on Priority One Podcast. Now, Captains, we understand, of course, that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways that you can help. For instance, you can share the show on social media or email or snail mail with all your friends. Let them know that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here at Priority One Podcast. You can also leave us a review on platforms like iTunes. Those go a long way in making sure that we are visible to other potential Star Trek fans. Now, Captains, if you've been on the fence of becoming a patron, we encourage you to trek us out over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. There you'll find out what rewards are available to you by contributing. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. She's been to the stars in films like Avatar, Guardians of the Galaxy, and of course, Star Trek. But now, actress Zoe Saldana has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The star was presented to the 39-year-old Saldana on May 3rd and was dedicated in the category of motion pictures at 6920 Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Miniso store. What? Miniso. It's a Japanese, okay. it's, it's really, really cute. It's like picture Muji, but like adorable. In an interview with Variety, Saldana said of science fiction, quote, I got to really flourish in this genre. I got to be brave, and I got to be strong, and I got to play characters that weren't only the daughter, the wife, the girlfriend. I was a warrior, and I was relevant to the storyline, end quote. Speaking at her dedication ceremony, Saldana said, quote, I got to be a pirate, an INS officer, a xenolinguist on the Enterprise. I got to be an alien warrior. Well, multiple alien warriors, end quote. 
Zoe Saldana is the first of her Kelvin castmates to receive a star, but joins Star Trek legends, including Gene Roddenberry, Leonard Nimoy, Patrick Stewart, and Prime Uhura, Nichelle Nichols, on the walk. For a link to the Variety article referenced and a video of Saldana's star dedication, check out the show notes. I'm really sad that we didn't mention her uh, awesome role in the acclaimed dance film Center Stage. Did we mention Pirates of the Caribbean as well? She she gets she was around. In Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, she was. Which the, one? Uh, I don't remember her. Uh, the second one, maybe. She was a lady pirate. I can't remember her name, but she was one of the you know main pirate characters. Anyway, the point is, um, Zoe Saldana has been around for a while now, and it's really oh, yeah. brilliant to see her getting that getting that recognition. Once upon a time, Jennifer Morrison played Winona Kirk, mother of famed Captain James T. Kirk. In J.J. Abrams' Star Trek 2009, Winona gave birth to baby Kirk while speaking remotely to her doomed husband, George, played by Chris Hemsworth. Last weekend, that same Jennifer Morrison hosted a panel at the Calgary Expo to discuss, once upon a time, the ABC series in which she currently stars. The panel took a soon-to-be internet spectacle turn when panel moderator and Star Trek Voyager alum Garrett Wong referenced Morrison's 2009 role. Wong said, quote, As an actor, I think it's incredibly difficult to play the role of a mother who just gave birth to James Tiberius Kirk, knowing your husband is 36 seconds away from death, basically, end quote. To which Morrison interrupted, quote, Supposed death, just saying, end quote. This, as would be expected, set out some serious hashtag treculation. Uh, no. Uh, was the Hemsworth portrayed George Kirk still alive? How did he survive? Does this mean no time travel or reality jumping for Star Trek Four? Well, as it turns out, Jennifer Morrison was referencing a fan theory she'd heard earlier. In a tweet sent on May 7th, Morrison says in part, quote, I know absolutely nothing about Star Trek Four. I've never been contacted about it, end quote. She ends the tweet by saying, It was not a spoiler or hint. I truly know nothing, I promise, end quote. TLDR, nothing new about Star Trek Four. I love this. I wish she hadn't clarified. I wish she just would have let it dangle. Like just, just let it dangle out there. I would have loved it. Um, See if she if she hadn't done anything, there would have been like a movement started to get her brought back in as Winona Kirk, and then she could have had her her face on lunchboxes and stuff. But she just wrecked the whole thing even before it got started. Yeah, bad. No, I just I just think that's brilliant. It just plays in so nicely with all of you know. Trek fans love that kind of stuff. It's like two words two words and it just sets off a flurry of activity. I, I love it. I'm, I'm a big Jennifer Morrison fan. I have been ever since um, House, actually. Um, oh, yeah. I would love to see her come back. I would love that, uh, especially if they're bringing back Chris Hemsworth. I would love to see the whole thing. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Again, we don't know anything about Star Trek 4. Nobody does. Um, but it's, it's a bit of fun. I like Jennifer Morrison, too. She was brilliant in-house, and my wife and daughter loved her on Once Upon a Time. They kind of quit watching it after season three or something, but she's a good actress. I, I wouldn't mind her being in, back in Star Trek. Last week, Jonathan Frakes once again took the proverbial center seat, directing his second episode of Star Trek Discovery. His first, Despite Yourself, was one of the best of Discovery's first season, and many fans were ecstatic to hear the Star Trek mainstay would return. It turns out, however, that he wasn't the only Star Trek The Next Generation star on the Discovery set. In a tweet dated May 4th, Frakes shared a photo of himself and Marina Sirtis, the TNG actress who played ship's counselor Deanna Troy. Frakes tweeted, quote, Surprise visit on the set of Star Trek Discovery, my hashtag Imzadi Marina Sirtis, end quote. Sirtis spent some time with at least one actor from the Star Trek Discovery cast as well. She tweeted on May 5th, quote, I so enjoyed spending time with Mary Wiseman yesterday. This young lady is super talented and a wonderful addition to the Star Trek family, end quote. Like our last story, this set visit has set off some serious treculation. Could Marina Sirtis have a part on Star Trek Discovery? It is important to note that Toronto has a booming film and television business, meaning Sirtis could have been there for any number of reasons, and everything to this point is purely speculation. But as always, stay tuned to Priority One for all of your Star Trek news. I cannot imagine that they would open the set, even to Star Trek alum, for a, sh- a series like this, right? I, I just, I, I, she had to have been there with a purpose. That's, I mean... That's my own. That's my take on it. Have you heard her tell yeah. stories at the convention? She's quite assertive. If she wants on the set, she'll get on the set. 
I believe that. Yeah, I guess. I believe right. that. Yeah. If she was like, mm, I'm going in there. I mean, who are you going to stop? You going to stop her? That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I don't think that this series of Discovery is going to be nearly as under lock and key as the first one was. I mean, there was uh, there was so much secrecy, especially around all the turmoil with the pre-production that, you know, they were they were really locked down and stuff. It feels different going into season two. It would not surprise me if it was a lot more just sort of uh, relaxed than it was before. So I don't personally read anything into it. I think Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes are great friends and she stopped by. I certainly hope that there are more lax with their production of season two, because I think that, like, look at look at look at the uh, the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They do a great job with marketing in terms of you know giving just enough to the fans of of behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. that that entices people to keep coming back and wanting to learn more. Um, so I I yeah I'm. I, I hope you're right. Well, that's a great point to uh, bring up a community question for this week. If Marina Sirtis were to play a role on Star Trek Discovery, what would you like it to be? As Captain Kirk famously said, don't let them do anything that takes you off the bridge of that ship. So imagine Kirk thespian William Shatner's excitement when he returned via the Star Trek original set tours in Ticonderoga, New York. Shatner's visit to the officially licensed set replica tour was part of a weekend event in which Shatner toured the sets, signed autographs, and chatted with fans. The former Captain Kirk had glowing reviews of the sets, recreated by actor James Cawley of Star Trek New Voyages fame, saying, quote, This set is exactly the way it was 50-odd years ago, and it's like coming back to a house you might have been born in. End quote. Cawley, who spent over $200,000 on the sets, said of the visit, quote, Never in a million years literally worshipping that guy did I ever think I'd see him in that chair in my building, end quote. For more information on Star Trek original set tours or William Shatner's visit, check out the show notes. I'm in Jersey, Jake is in Rhode Island, and no, he's in Vermont Jace is in Vermont. And so we are, we had talked last year about planning a, like a springtime visit to the Ticonderoga set. I think it's time to start up that group chat again. Because I'd like to visit the set. And I hear Ticonderoga is gorgeous this time of year. <laughs> I was going to say if you, he didn't put this time of year in there, I was going to make you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the best time of year to visit that part of New York is around about the middle of October. Beginning to middle of October. Mm. Get the That's leaves. When you get the, oh, uh, maybe I could do it for my birthday. Yeah, maybe we could do it for my birthday. Speaking of Star Trek homes, are you a Star Trek fan? Because you probably are if you're listening to this. Do you like collecting things? Do you happen to have $1.785 million US burning a hole in your pocket? Then we've got a deal for you. (laughs) The one-time home of Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock himself, is up for sale. Located in Sherman Oaks, Los Angeles, the home was built in 1951 on a quarter acre of land. It's just over 2,000 square feet of open floor plan living space, a pool, and an outdoor kitchen. The listing agents are Nisha Goh and Aaron Kerman of Pacific Union International, so give them a call if you're interested. Captains, the days of video conferencing sans pants may well be over. Canadian College Queen's University has unveiled a life-sized, three-dimensional hologram video chatting system. The project, called Telehuman 2, was unveiled at an international conference in Montreal this April. The system, which is touted as being headset and 3D glasses free, does require the use of, quote, a ring of intelligent projectors mounted above and around a retro-reflective human-sized cylindrical pod, end quote. The project claims to utilize light fields and projections, enhancing the communication potential and allowing for more personal and nuanced interaction. The video of the system in action can be found in the show notes. So I got to ch- I, I watched this video. I came across my feeds and mm-hmm. I saw this. And um, I, I, it, it just sounds so overly complicated, right? Because the projectors have to be complete. It's kind of like in the Matrix how they film bullet time where there was a camera literally all around the actor filming the scene. And they were able to conduct the bullet time sequence. Same thing with this is that this is just so over the top in terms of its hardware requirement that I don't think that we're going to be seeing conference tables lit up with this anytime soon. I mean, I think still cool though. 
I think there are probably some other barriers to that. I mean, when they talk about uh, a human-sized cylindrical pod, what size human are they talking? Um, it looked like a pretty average, if there is such a thing, average human. And it has to be standing up, which is a little un- uncomfortable, a little unnatural. But still, I love to see this kind of technology as a proof of concept. Because if you think back, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, you would never dream of doing, you know, your day-to-day work on video conferencing, for instance. We just didn't, Even this. Even this, you know, recording a podcast like this on video, you'd never have. I now work remotely, and I'm on video conferencing all day long. So while this might seem ridiculous with advancing technology, maybe it won't be. Maybe I'll have a room of my house that actually just projects me into Everything my about office. this to me says no pain. No pants. Everything about this says no pants to me. I mean, it's uh, intelligent projectors and a retro-reflective human-sized pod <laughs> and personal and nuanced interactions, if you know what I mean. I mean, come on. This whole thing was designed for no pants. No pants. Oh, Tony. Tony, come yeah. on. We're talking business. We're talking professional interactions. Although you raise a good point. Like, while they're doing this, could they just not project, like, a suit on There you, you go. That'd be That's great. right. That I would want, be... Yeah. That would be a technological advancement I could get behind. What I did like about this, or what was interesting, or most fascinating about this, is that because it's a cylindrical unit, you could be around the table and see the person as if though you're facing them. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's it's kind of like one of those little holograms that you follow. Right, it 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 follows you wherever you go, like the Mona Lisa. Just those eyes follow you. So that that's interesting. That's fascinating. I just think, again, the hardware kind of limits the, the possibilities. Finally, we would like to take a moment to send our best to Star Trek actress Nichelle Nichols. The 85-year-old icon, who has been in declining health since a mild stroke in 2015, is now suffering the effects of dementia. We at Priority One have Nichelle in our thoughts during this trying time. My grandparents both suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's. I can't imagine what that family is going through. So my thoughts are with them. I my, The one five-second mo- engagement that I've had with Nichelle Nichols is something I will never forget. Just taking a picture with her and her taking the time to ask me what my name was uh, is something, I, again, I won't forget. She is just one of the warmest people, one of the warmest actors from the Star Trek franchise I have ever met. Um, So it breaks my heart, but um, I hope she's in good hands. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. As expected, players can look forward to a new reputation system when X4 is released this summer. The Gamma Task Force reputation works like any other. Collect Gamma Marks and Germanium Carapace Fragments from new cues and events like The Swarm, or the Gamma Quadrant Sector Battle Zone, and earn rewards. Speaking of rewards, in a blog post by systems designer Jet Cryptic Spartan Levens, we're provided with a rundown of what players can expect from the reputation rewards. Now, there aren't very many specifics in terms of numbers, but from the descriptions, it sounds as though this reputation gear is designed to help captains be a little more tanky. In other words, be a little more resistant to incoming damage, especially when the items are combined for set bonuses. So yeah, I'm glad uh, to see this new reputation coming into the game. It's been, I would say, a long time since we've actually had a reputation. They've definitely... You, you can tell that they've re-evaluated, like, you know, how often they release these. And uh, I think that it's good that there's one coming for X4. So I'm looking forward to this. There are definitely some interesting bits in it as well. Um, I had a quick look at it, uh, but uh, like you said there, it's going to be useful for um, tanky sort of builds. You know, when the other thing I noticed about these these scent bonuses, um, and even some of the rewards that are coming with uh, things like the swarm, which we'll talk about in a second, they're also trying to. I think they're trying to do a little revamp on torpedoes and how players can use torpedoes. Well, the one thing that actually caught my eye was these cloaking mines, and we all remember the cloaking minefield that was in Deep Space Nine, and. Um, 
yeah, they've uh, basically put that into Star Trek Online now as well, and it's coming uh, in this new Gamma reputation. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. There's definitely some interesting stuff there for Torpedoes. So we mentioned The Swarm, a new five-player cooperative space queue, and it pits you and your teammates against the Herc. Your objective, keep the planetary escape routes clear of the Herc while transport vessels try to escape. You know what this kind of sounds like to me? Uh, it's that one uh, queue with the Species 847 with the Undine, yeah. where it's like the three the three rows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, and I, I've totally blanked now on the name of that queue, but yeah, kind of. Uh, I think this uh, will be a fun queue, even though I actually haven't tested it yet. Unfortunately, when I got onto Tribble, there wasn't anybody else on, or at least nobody uh, that was trying to queue up. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't get to try it yet, but uh, who knows? We might get a few of the guys in the Priority 1 Armada to um, take a trip over to Tribble and give it a shot and see what it's like and maybe offer some feedback. Speaking of feedback, Winters, it sounds like they heard your critique about the Gamma Vanguard packs because they've added two new ships to the pack at no additional cost. A Tier 5 Cardassian Galore cruiser and the Tier 6 Jem'Hadar Vanguard Carrier, along with an upgrade token for that Tier 5 Cardassian Galar. And not for nothing, I hate those Galar ships. I remember as I was leveling up, you know, I'd like to think that I'm a, a pretty capable captain, but even for the story missions, when those ships came at you, they were hard, man. They were hard to take it down. Yeah. Uh, one of their the, uh, most favorite tactics is to use... Uh, tachyon beam and strip your shields uh, and uh, of course then using the um, uh, photonic fleet ability as well where they'd spawn in uh, photonic copies of more galores but yeah this uh, announcement for two extra ships this is fantastic news I have talked to a lot of people and everybody is so happy and enthusiastic about uh, the Gamma Vanguard pack now. It's it, it's actually like, you know, just take my money. Take my money, please. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to get in this pack. I just I have to save up the money first. But as soon as I have it, I'm getting it. Now, the big news this week is that Star Trek Online has announced a change to Romulan captains. Previously... Despite your alliance to either Starfleet or the KDF, Romulan captains were only able to fly Romulan ships. But with the release of Expansion 4, Victory is Life, Romulan captains can now fly their allies' ships. Want to fly Defiant? Sure. Want to fly a Klingon Bird of Prey? Why not? There are some restrictions, and that list of unavailable ships are in the blog post that we'll have linked in our show notes. So... I think this is a very interesting move, and I think I know why they're doing this. About a week ago, was on Tribble, and there was a bunch of us in the Priority 1 Armada, and we're talking about X4. And somehow the conversation went on to the Admiralty system. And we were saying it'd be nice if there was a new Admiralty campaign coming with X4 as well. And then we realized... There's not going to be very many ships for the new Cardassian, or not Cardassian, but the Jemadar faction. Yeah, there's just not going to be very many ships for that faction. So I'm wondering, is this move intended to, you know, tackle that issue, possibly? Because when you think about it, all right, the Jemadar faction is starting off at level 60. They don't have the 1 is to 50 progression and getting a ship every 10 levels they don't have that right so uh, yeah yeah i think it's an interesting move i think that's why they're doing it because now they can say oh well you can pick all of your uh, factions ships so you know if you align with the federation you can use all their ships if you align with the kdf you can use all their ships i think that's the reason why but that's pure speculation or an educated guess I'm sure it also has to do with the how many ships they have to continue to, to pump out, right? I mean, now, not to say that they're not going to do any Romulan-style ships, but now it's the, the, the Romulans have more uh, options. Right. right. There's, there's more accessibility for them. Now that we have a third faction coming in, or rather a fourth faction coming in, a fourth playable species, 
that will end up allying themselves with Federation or KDF, it takes the pressure off the designers, I think, a bit. Yeah, I agree. I think you're you're absolutely right there because they were probably heading down a well, maybe not a dangerous path, but a path maybe that wasn't very good for them because you know, like they come out with these uh, ship packs, and you know they had to cater for Fed, KDF, and Romulan, and with this new faction going forward, it would mean they'd have to cater for Fed, KDF, Romulan, and Jemadar, and. The prices of these packs then are really getting to be eh, maybe just a little bit too much. So, yeah, there's probably a couple of different reasons why they've made this move. Uh, I think it's a good move. I like it. It's going to make things uh, a lot easier on the Romulan faction and probably on the uh, Jem'Hadar faction as well. Now, to be clear, they haven't announced whether or not the Jem'Hadar faction... Uh, or the playable Cardassians will be able to play their allied ships, uh, but it would right. make sense, exactly. right? It's the, just the logical progression. Right now, as of right now, in this blog, it is only specific to Romulan captains. Right, exactly. I would imagine we're going to hear more on this in the coming weeks. Well, captains, if you still haven't progressed through your duty officer system, this is the weekend to do it because you can take advantage of a 50% increase in all commendation XP earned by completing duty officer assignments. Additionally, you can receive a free purple quality duty officer by visiting the engineering exocomp for Federation allied players or the Riemann duty officer for the KDF. The exocomp can be found at Starfleet Academy and the Riemann duty officer, of course, at Klingon Academy. You can also get some bonuses by purchasing a duty officer pack from the C-Store, which also includes a chance to win one of several Tier 6 ships. And lastly, the Academy Particle Scanning event is also active. Visit Starfleet or Klingon Academy and speak to Professor Meyer or Commander Batama. The more particles you can get, the more rare a duty officer you can receive. But hurry, though, because this duty officer event only runs until Monday, May 14th. So, yeah, this is actually a really, really good event. Um, It's been a long time since they actually had one of these. I'm glad to see it back. It's very good as well, because on the calendar, there is a bonus marks weekend uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. And that means that if you you can build up your commendation XP in the duty officer system... When that bonus marks comes, maybe you could turn in that extra commendation XP for fleet marks. Now through May 31st, the Mirror Universe Invasion is back. Once a day, battle the Terran Empire for multi-dimensional transporters. Earn 14 of them and receive 50,000 dilithium ore, 500 fleet marks, 250 marks of your choice, and a brand new unique weapon, the Agony Phaser Energy Torpedo Launcher. Perhaps the most interesting thing about this torpedo is that its damage is enhanced by abilities and items that improve phaser damage, and not those that improve traditional torpedo weapons. In other words, any of the traits or skills that you've put into energy weapons or any consoles that enhance phaser damage will improve this particular torpedo's damage, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, this is what I was referring to earlier on when I said that there was something coming up. And it's nice to see another one of these torpedoes coming in. So it, it, it's really going to help, uh, obviously, if you're running a phaser build. Uh, because let's say if you're in, we'll say, a T6 Valiant, uh, at the fleet version, you're going to have five tactical console slots. And most likely you will have five... Um, you know, vulnerability locators or exploiters from the fleet spire in there. Rather than sacrificing one, maybe two of them for boosting a torpedo, you can just leave all five in there and this torpedo will benefit from all five of them. Right. So yeah, uh, this is, this is really good to see another one. There was, uh, an anti-proton one a couple of years back from the crystalline entity there's another one in one of the more recent featured episodes which is a nausican uh, disruptor torpedo if i remember right so it's nice to see another one of those coming in and don't forget captains that we're in the final week of the delta recruits campaign where you can level up a new captain with some enhanced leveling options and rewards yes yeah, so this is actually finishing next thursday 
So if you've been on the fence of you know whether or not to actually create another captain, you have six days left in order to uh, make that decision and make that character. A couple of things to note. Delta recruits only apply to either Federation, Klingon, or Romulan captains. It does not include the 22nd century or the TOS faction. To benefit from all possible rewards, you want at least one of each, because there are account rewards that are specific to each of the three factions. So, um, yeah, if you've got those slots and you haven't uh, taken full advantage of that, this is the final week for it, and you might want to get cracking at it. Well, Captains, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Now, let's head over to the promenade with Jake and Cookie. Welcome back. I'm Cookie Cupcakes. And I'm Jake Cobb. And this is The Promenade. Hey, Jake. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Jake? Oh, I love this part. Enemy ship on census. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Jake! Oh, hey, Cookie! You're yelling! Oh, oh, right. Oh, sorry. I was just, uh, I was just listening to... Priority one? How did you know? You couldn't have heard I had earbuds, earbuds in. Are you reading my mind? No, Jake. It's just you couldn't hear me. You were doing the priority one closing out loud, and you don't have a headset on, so... Sorceress! <sighs> Let's just get to it. But seriously, earbuds are great, aren't they? Wired or wireless, they deliver all the audio pleasure of old-fashioned headsets, but without drawing unwanted attention. Then, there's the Star Trek Vulcan earbuds. What unwanted attention are you referring to? (laughs) Do do people harass you while you wear ear headsets? I have the big bulky ones. (laughs) 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 These officially licensed products, made by the prop replica gurus at Anovos, come in wired and wireless versions and feature, as you might expect, Vulcan ears. The flexible rubber of the unit wraps around the back of the ear, allowing for the bud to sit inside the ear canal, delivering the soothing sounds of Elijah, Kenna, Tony, and Winters into your auditory orifices. And on the top, the beautiful point of a Vulcan ear. They also come equipped with three earbud sizes and an inline microphone and remote, making telephone calls and fast-forwarding past my segment of the promenade a breeze. The 3.5mm audio-jacked version comes in a peachish tone and retails for about $25. US The wireless Bluetooth version, which has a 180-hour standby time, 5-hour talk time, and takes about 2 hours to charge using the included micro-USB charging cord, comes color-matched to Spock's unique skin tone and retails for $40 US. Both are in stock and ready to ship at anovos.com. So this is supposed to be Spock's skin tone? The wireless one is, yeah. Exclusive to the wireless. You know, it's unfortunate they don't have more skin tones. I I mean, I guess you can color it, but... Yeah, because there's all kinds of different skin tones for Vulcans across the Star Trek universe. And humans. But maybe they'll expand it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed. I mean, if they sell well, I don't see why they wouldn't. So would you wear these, Jake? (sighs) I mean, if you get... Unwanted attention from your regular headphones. From my giant bulky headphones. I don't know <laughs> what might happen. Yeah, the, the Spock headphones might be a pass for me. I probably wouldn't use these for real. Like for, I would just use them for cosplay reasons, I guess. And right. Then, Not like out on a bus. If you were going to do that, I would just get my own earpieces. Right. I don't know. They're cool. They're a niche thing, and they're not super expensive. They're kind of cool, but... Yeah, they're cool if you're walking around and you want to look like a Vulcan. Right. Well, what kind of... I know this is a weird question, but what kind of swimming trunks do you wear, Jake? Do you sport like a Captain Picard banana hammock? Or long board shorts? Or something in between? Wait, don't tell me. 
It's one of those Borat-style swimsuits, isn't it? <laughs> Close. I prefer those old-timey one-piece numbers, but I'll wear anything as long as it's Star Trek. Well, you're in luck, because Think Geek just came out with new men's swimming trunks, and they're the long kind that hang down just above the knee. So, finally, you guys have Star Trek swimwear. There really wasn't anything like this on the market until now, and they just came out with this in April. Mm-hmm. So, I'm kind of excited to see these pop up. I hope to see more guys wearing these this summer. And you have your choice between the original series and the next generation, each with the three division colors to choose from with the corresponding insignia embroidered on the left thigh. A black elastic waistband with an outside drawstring, mesh lining, and side pockets. Wouldn't it be nice to have pockets while yes. you're swimming? Yeah, I love You pockets. can have pockets. I, know, I can't I have love pockets because I'm. <laughs> Anyways. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds pretty solid to me, and they look great. They retail for $49.99 with sizes ranging from small to 3XL. By the way, update on my swimsuit that I got. The. Um, one-piece TNG. I did not wear it very much, but it's already wearing out in certain areas. Oh, that stinks. Like, it's not the best quality. I thought it was really good quality when I first got it, but it doesn't last very long. Is this, does the company that made your swimsuit, do they make this one? Yeah, Think Geek, yeah. Uh, Hmm. This might be a pass then. Well, the swimming trunks, the men's swimming trunks, probably aren't even made out of the same material. That's true. And they're loose-fitting and everything. There's not going to be a lot of rubbing and stuff. But Yeah, that's true. Like I said, I didn't wear the swimsuit very much for it to be looking like that already. So I was a little disappointed by that. Yeah, that stinks. With these trunks, I will say that I like that there's an obvious difference between the TOS and the TNG. It's not super overstated. But it's really obvious, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. Like, from behind, you can't tell that it's even a Star Trek thing. But from the front, it's like, whoa, cool. You know, these are cool. So, there you have it. Spock ears and dad bods all summer long. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars. We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 364's community question was, what are your thoughts on Spock's flashback appearance in Star Trek Discovery? From Patreon, James Goulding said, My favorite element is definitely all the Spock-based intrigue. It's going to be exciting to see how they fit Burnham, etc. into the weave of Trek canon. I have faith they will. Season 1 was a great TV series, but didn't really feel like Trek. From what I heard on the last episode of After Trek, that might be about to change. It's interesting because I I don't feel like uh, James's opinion is a common one. I uh, most of the people that I know are like, "Oh, Spock! Can't believe they're bringing Spock in season two. Um, so it's nice to actually hear from somebody who is excited and 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 wants to see that happen. I I have wholeheartedly accepted what Discovery is for what it is, which is 10 years before the timeline. I'm fine with Burnham. And it could very well be that I read the Desperate Hours novel, which kind of gave a, a, a deeper backstory to Burnham and Spock. So if, if you're on the fence about the Burnham-Spock story, I, w- I honestly would recommend picking up Desperate Hours, either via audiobook or read it yourself. It, 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 it gave me a, a deeper appreciation for the story they're trying to tell. From Facebook, Honata Rubio Sodre writes in, The quick appearance of a yellow uniform. I'm very curious to see how they will introduce this. Like I said last week, the only thing I caught was that yellow uniform. Yeah, the, the, that's been the subject of a lot of um, 
interest, shall we say. I mean, we were talking about this well before we ever saw the the that production teaser. You know, how are they going to get how are they going to get from discovery into TOS and then we saw um just the flashes of uniforms at the end of the uh, of the of the series finale. Um so yes, I agree. How are they going to get between from one to the other? My guess is that because if you look at the pattern, that yellow pattern mm-hmm. from the back, they have like stitching on the arms. I think that what they're going to do is it's not going to be the terrible fabric that they used for TOS where they were all sweating all the time. I forget the name of the fabric. Yeah. I, I think that what they're going to do is that they're going to take it. They're going to adapt it. I have a feeling it's going to look a lot like what the uniforms were in Star Trek Beyond. Except they're going to have a lot of the same stitching that Discovery has. Like this padded stitching Mm -hmm. on the elbows, on the shoulders. So it'll be reminiscent of TOS and still be Discovery at the same time. It'll be... Imagine if the TOS uniforms and beyond had a baby with the Discovery uniforms. Are they going to be born in in Switzerland, though, is the question. (laughs) Are are the uniform babies gonna have dual citizenship <laughs> I think is what is what the relevant question is <sighs> oh dear from Priority One Podcast Tyler Maxwell says you know I'm kind of digging the new gold and red Discovery uniforms I didn't think I would that one fan made photoshop job from a while back did not make it look good but they do look very nice still think Sonequa Martin Green should stay in the blue though Putting her in the yellow brings too much of a Kill Bill vibe, though it would be great for Tarantino Trek, smiley face. From Facebook, Simon Daniels says, Favorite part? The possibility that Spock is standing on the right of a seated Saru on the Discovery Bridge at 0.25 seconds in. If they bring in Spock for this series, that's bold. That's going to be bold. And... That I think that is what's going to happen. I don't care about these, like, secondary and tertiary characters that they keep reviving. I don't, like, Tony hates it. Winters hates it. But I, and Winters hates it, but I, it does, those secondary and tertiary, tertiary characters, I don't really care about if they bring back and recast them. What I care about is if they start recasting yet again the the primary characters, right? If we start seeing a Spock who's not a child, right? Give me the the C-Lot episode. That's fine as a child, but we've already seen them recast and it's too vivid in our minds, right? Zachary Quinto is Spock. Please don't bring in another adult Spock in this series. I would much rather just see them stand on their own two feet and do their own thing and stop leaning on pre-existing canon and characters. Oh, you say that. Oh, you say that and yet... Worf in Deep Space Nine. Oh. oh, no, but that's that is different. And O'Brien, that and is, O'Brien, that and is O'Brien. different though. That that was in the si- oh yeah no oh yes it is. is it yes is it the timeline was right beside each other. It wasn't a different actor. It was the same actor coming over playing the same part. I'm actually with Winters on this one. It was that was a, a believable in-universe transfer that right. those characters would be moved on to a different location. Fine. This is a totally believable different issue. in-universe. Yeah, <laughs> fine, believable in-universe. But you know why they brought them over? Because nobody was watching Deep Space Nine, and they were like, "Oh, <laughs> got to bring somebody over. It's got to be Worf. It's got to be somebody from TNG." He, he did yes. <laughs> He's got a point. He has got a point. He has got a point. Um, um, the thing is, I hope that's not the case. That that's not what they're doing with Discovery, because people are watching Discovery. I think we've proved that over and over again. They don't right, need right, to right. do that. So, but, so I can kind of get it if they like need to boost the ratings. Hey, let's bring in Spock, but they don't need to do that. So, uh, yeah, right. You know, so I, I hope that it comes across. You know. Um, let's say artistic interpretation rather than an act of desperation <laughs> from twitter at meme Ranglot writes in we're getting more star trek discovery <laughs> but seriously it's great of them trying to rope in tos and disco together especially with costume 
I'm going to reopen and you can shut me down if you want to. Is it not pandering to the vocal minority of people who are like, but Discovery is too different from TOS. How are they going to bridge it together? Is it not pandering to that a little bit? Just a little bit. No, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yes, yes, it absolutely is pandering. But the fact of the matter is, is that I really don't think that it's pandering. That's just where, where I'm going to Or, or do you think that fancy blue Swiss uh, fabric maybe just wasn't as durable as they thought? It, you know, it's done well for the first season, but maybe they not. can't get that color blue maybe anymore. Not. So they're like, well, crap, maybe what do we not. do now? <laughs> Well, that wraps up episode 365 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Now, you can listen to one episode every day for the rest of the year. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's a reminder of our community question this week. If Marina Sirtis were to play a role on Star Trek Discovery, what would you like it to be? Captains, you know we love to keep those hailing frequencies open, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel where we review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as highlighting some of the amazing members in the Armada. Each week we team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brendan Parker and Jake Morgan. And a very special thanks as well to Jake for writing our script and spearheading our social media efforts. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. But most importantly, A big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Now, Captains, we can't move on with the show 
without without taking a, a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Yes. Wow, he's he, he's, uh, he's going out tonight. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Let's see how many. Well, people we it was can about insult. as good as like that was that was just that was the exact Sigmund Freud impression from any... that episode of TNG. <laughs> I wasn't we, even making a dot. I wasn't. I wasn't even trying anything. I was just making fun of myself. I think you. I think you slurring. insulted both French, German, uh, and maybe the Belgians too. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> my apologies and the Flemish. my apologies to all of those to all of countries. all of Europe. To all of your, <laughs> all of the EU. Okay. okay, promenade starts in three, two, one. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh. Okay, three, two, one, go. Oh, dang. Yeah. I see the one that's way more like it looks almost banana esque. <laughs> that's the spy. Right. That's the <laughs> banana esque. <laughs> The color just doesn't look right. <laughs> My cat thinks so too. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're at a convention or something, and you, mm-hmm. it's probably a lot more fun. You'll get the attention you're looking for, not uh, not pushed down a flight of stairs for being a geek. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like there's some stories behind that comment, no. Jay. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And remember, you keep an eye on the stars, we'll keep, we'll an, keep eye an eye on the... We'll keep an eye on the... Mar- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I got... Really... right there, Jake. Oh, my God. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. And stop. This is Elijah, closing sync one. This is Kenna, closing sync two. <laughs> this is Winter's closing sync three. <laughs> Got a whole bag of shh. Put your name on it. <laughs> Mary had a little closing sh- in three, sh- two. Sh- Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> that was Zip it rude. closing in three, Zip it. two. Sh- sh- well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I promise I won't anymore. Closing in three, two. <laughs> On our Facebook page at facebook.com. <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> at Facebook page. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to make him proud. Shh. Shh. Not dumb. Not me. Zip it. <laughs> Thanks to our when audio team led by along, Michael McDonald. You zip it. Zip it good. <laughs> Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.